Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Natural Curiosity Project. I'm Steve Shepard. Hey, thank you for joining me again for the latest episode of the podcast. As you know, this program is about letting your natural curiosity guide you into areas you might not otherwise explore by simply following a trail of knowledge to see where it goes. Like so many things, insight is more about the journey than it is the destination. So in this episode, I want to explore a phenomenon that's being talked about a lot right now, primarily in the business side of the world, and it's called digital transformation. It's hugely powerful, and I wouldn't be exaggerating if I said that there isn't a business on the planet, large or small, that won't be affected by it. Many of them already are. Everyone knows about Charles Darwin and his famous expression, survival of the fittest, but he never actually said that. Another man, Herbert Spencer, did after reading Darwin's Origin of Species. Now, Spencer was a respected English biologist, philosopher, sociologist, and anthropologist who developed an interest in evolution as the primary motive force behind all changes in the world, including bioethics, religion, anthropology, economics, politics, and literature, not to mention astronomy, biology, sociology, and psychology. I mean, clearly, he was nothing if not ambitious. So, Darwin didn't utter those famous words, survival of the fittest, but he did say something that is at least as important and, frankly, more related to the topic I want to talk about today. The quote I'm thinking of is this, It is not the strongest of the species that survives, nor the most intelligent. It is the one that is most adaptable to change. Now, years later, Jack Welch, at the time the CEO of General Electric, repeated that message when he said, Destroy your business, change or die. When the pace of change outside the business exceeds the pace of change inside the business, the end is near. Well, today we're going through a period of pretty wrenching and often uncomfortable evolution in the business world. I mean, just look at the number of industries, not companies, entire industries that are being innovated out of existence. The online world is wreaking havoc on traditional storefronts. Uber is changing the domain of public transportation. Airbnb is changing how and where we stay when we travel. To many people's way of thinking, companies like Skype have delivered a death knell to traditional telephone companies. Apple reinvented the music industry, possibly saving it from itself. Netflix changed how video entertainment is delivered. And Amazon? Well, starting at the supply chain, they redesigned everything. Years ago, in his book, being Digital, highly recommended by the way, Nicholas Negroponte, the director of MIT's Media Lab, noted that we are moving from a world in which we make money by moving atoms around to a world where we make money by moving bits around. I mean, it's true, right? Consider this, the value of cross-border global trade between emerging markets increased from 6% in 1990 to 24% in 2012. Now, those are the most current numbers I can find. But that's a big growth curve, and it shouldn't surprise anybody, especially when we consider that digital platforms cut the cost of exporting by 83% compared with traditional export channels. After all, I don't need a port or a ship or a train or an airplane to export a digital product. All I need is a mobile phone and an internet connection, and I'm in business. And it's not reserved for big business either. According to eBay, which, if you think about it, is a digital auction house, 
95% of its small sellers export to other countries compared to 25% of traditional small businesses. So what are we talking about in terms of value here? Well, real numbers, as it turns out. The value of global flows is rising, and as I record this, it hovers somewhere around $26 trillion, which is about 30%. In fact, it's more than that. It's about 36% of the global gross domestic product. Now, that's a big number, and that bigness is reflected in the degree of digitization and connectivity that's now in place around the world. Over the course of the last 10 years, internet traffic has exploded by 1,800%, and it's expected to be eight times that by 2025. Now, what this really reflects is the growth of what are called knowledge economies. I'll give you an example of a knowledge-based economy in a moment, but here's what we know about them. They grow a lot faster than traditional labor or capital-intensive economies since they don't need much in the way of capital infrastructure to get started, and they already represent half of all cross-border flows of wealth. Here's the best part. Emerging economies already represent almost 40% of global capital flows. That is just amazing. Okay, so let me give you an example of this. About a year ago, I completed my 80th book. I know it's a bad habit. What made this one different was that it was my first novel. I got the manuscript all ready to publish, and when I submitted it, the publisher asked me where the cover art was. Cover art? I hadn't even thought about that. So off I went in search of book cover artists. It wasn't long before I started getting back estimates. $3,000, $5,000, $11,000, and you've got to be kidding me. Well, I had just about decided that this was going to be the first book in history published without a cover. But then a friend of mine, also an accomplished writer, asked me why I wasn't just using Fiverr. Probably because I've never heard of it, I replied. He just shook his head as if he was trying to reason with a three-year-old. Go check him out, he told me, so I did. And here's what I found. If you go to Fiverr.com, which is spelled F-I-V-E-R-R, -R, the first thing you see is a grid of faces, and under each face is a single sentence. The sentences say things like, I will proofread your book. I will write the executive summary to your white paper. I will caption and meta-tag your photographs. And, of course, I will design the cover for your book. By the way, all for $5. That's why it's called Fiverr. So I just picked one at random. I clicked on the face and my computer screen filled up with a simple form to fill out that asked me a handful of questions. What is the general story or theme of your book? Do you have any photographs you'd like me to include in the overall design? Do you want a cover only or a full wraparound cover? Same price, by the way, and so on. It then promised to send me three different designs within 12 hours. 12 hours. The best part is that I had all three of the designs within four hours, and even though the artist offered unlimited edits to the original design, I was thrilled with the second design that came through, and I ended up using it on the book. Now, obviously, I can't show it to you here, but if you go to Amazon and search for Inca Gold Spanish Blood, you'll see it. I think it's pretty darn good. Now, here's the very best part. The artist is a 17-year-old young woman in rural Pakistan. How cool is that? She charged me $5 for my book cover. I gave her a $50 tip. So let me circle back to the theme of this podcast, which is transformation. This is the single biggest and most, well, transformative force reshaping businesses and societies that we've seen in a long time. 
Its power comes from four things, collaboration, trust, knowledge sharing, and a clear recognition of the difference between control and influence. Now, most people are in a competitive mindset rather than a collaborative one. It's just part of today's business culture. And yet, if we think hard about the most successful individuals and companies out there, we find that they owe their success to their willingness to collaborate to achieve and even exceed their goals. In effect, if you think about it, they're willing to be transformed, you know, willing to establish a new behavioral status quo based on the idea of giving up control to gain influence. Here's an example. The last time I looked, there were 2.2 million apps in the Apple App Store, about 2.8 million in Google's Android Store. But out of those 2 million plus apps, Apple only created a handful of them. Pages, Numbers, Keynote, and GarageBand. All the rest were created by third-party developers. Clearly, it isn't hurting them. What this demonstrates is that today, it's far more important in a market to have influence than it is to have control. Apple willingly and deliberately gave up control of the applications market so they could gain influence over the platform market. Android did the same thing. By giving up control, by forging strong but loose relationships with a collection of other players, of collaborators, they gained enormous influence. Now what we learn from this is that most companies, and for that matter people, are in a competitive mindset rather than a collaborative one. But the truth is that collaboration, which requires a high level of trust, is a much more sophisticated state than competition. Why? Because the competitive mindset is all about self. It's about doing everything possible to win, and usually at all costs. Frankly, it's a primitive, unsophisticated way to engage. And the worst part of all is that it takes the focus away from creating solutions to the very problems that you're trying to address for the customer. So why don't we collaborate more? Well, because in our hyper-competitive business culture, we're taught that winning implies that the other party has to lose. Second place is the first loser is a common theme here. But think about that for a moment. No one on this planet is great at everything. I mean, sure, we all like to think we are, but we're not. But Albert Einstein got it. He once said, nobody is as smart as everybody. The collective skill, knowledge, intelligence, and capability of a group of people will always outperform an individual as long as all players operate under a model of mutual trust, cooperation, and shared knowledge. This is how transformation happens. By forging skill, knowledge, and trust-based relationships with other capable people, by taking advantage of the collective wisdom of the group, by allowing ideas to expand, then viewpoints expand as well, and so do goals. Modest ideas become big, audacious, entirely reachable goals. So what do we mean then when we talk about digital transformation? Honestly, nothing much different than what we've been talking about all along. Digital transformation isn't a thing. It's not a product or a service or some kind of technological solution. It's a philosophy. It's a way of thinking about how to transform business using digital tools. Let me say it another way. Digital transformation is the tool that brings about business transformation. Here's another example. Remember those companies we talked about earlier? Amazon, Uber, Airbnb, and Fiverr? Well, they either took advantage of digital transformation to make themselves immensely more productive and competitive like Amazon, or they're companies that wouldn't exist without digital transformation. 
I mean, think about it. Uber, Airbnb, and Fiverr have no assets to speak of, and their services exist entirely in the digital domain. You want another example? Look at all the companies today that use Internet of Things technology to do things that haven't been done before, or organizations that have figured out how to harness the power of big data and analytics to gain deep, deep insights into consumer behavior so they can better serve those consumers' needs. Or organizations that no longer rely on expensive spare parts inventories because they use 3D printers to manufacture parts on demand. Entire warehouses are being shuttered because of this. And this is only the beginning. So why is transformation so important? Because it allows a company to deliver a level of service quality that up until now has been nothing but a distant dream. It allows us to move away from the mundane, transactional world into a world that is transformational and exciting. I mean, think about it this way. Many people believe that Amazon is killing the traditional brick-and-mortar retail industry. Really? Nordstrom's is doing just fine, thank you very much. And why? Because they understand that it isn't Amazon's internet presence that's so damaging. It's the fact that Amazon, like Nordstrom's, understands the power of a good customer experience. Now, what about Airbnb killing hotels? Really? I don't think so. The Ritz-Carlton is thriving, as is the Four Seasons. Why? customer experience. And what about those people who run around telling the world that Apple destroyed the music industry? Nope. They did that to themselves by forcing customers to buy an entire album when all they wanted was one song. They put more focus on control than influence. Then along came Apple, and they flipped the equation on its head. Influence, not control. They didn't kill the music industry. They saved it. Technology isn't the threat. Failing to be customer-centric is, and that you can take to the bank. I'm Steve Shepard for The Natural Curiosity Project. Thanks for listening. The mission of The Natural Curiosity Project is to tell the stories of amazing moments in scientific discovery and accomplishment. If there's a story you'd like to hear, or would like to suggest a story, or just want to chat about the amazing world of science, please send a message to steve at shepherdcom.com. That's steve at s-h-e-p-a-r-d-c-o-m-m dot com.